And I had this thought in my head where I was like, what if I just, you know, didn't apply for any jobs and hiked on the Appalachian Trail? This is How to Stop Climate Change. I'm David Butler. And I'm Keaton Butler. Our guest today is Mary Marshall, Program Manager at Solar Energy International. SEI is a nonprofit training facility for people looking to get into the design and installation of solar energy systems. Mary specifically manages a program called Solar Forward, which is a technical consulting program geared towards kickstarting solar markets in rural communities. Thanks for joining us today, Mary. Do you think we can stop climate change? Hmm. Well, I I think that we're living in a state of climate change and the effects of climate change are omnipresent. They're happening all around us. So I don't think we could stop that unless we had a time machine. But <laughs> I think that there's a lot that we can do to mitigate the increasing intensity of climate change and to develop some innovative solutions to kind of take some of that back into our own control. We're not done. It's worth the fight, right? Yes, it's definitely worth the fight. (laughs) So uh, you work at Solar Energy International. Tell us about that organization and what it does to counteract climate change. So I work for Solar Energy International, and we're an international nonprofit training facility, um, training people to get into the solar energy workforce. So we train people in the design and installation of solar energy systems, uh, both battery-based and grid-tied systems. And um, we have a campus in Colorado. We have a campus in Costa Rica and also in the Middle East. So we're a worldwide training organization. And um, the way that we fight climate change is our mission at SEI is a world powered by renewable energy. And we really believe in the power of education. So I would say that our path to fighting climate change at SEI is really empowering people with education and knowledge on how to install and design solar systems and how to become a part of the solar energy workforce. And that's really important because you're not just, you know, it's not just your organization. You're you're kind of building an army of people that are going out and working for companies all over the world and working on projects to, um, you know, to put more clean energy into the world. That's exactly it. So, um, yeah, SEI is really giving people that foundation. And we've been around since 1991 and have had over 70,000 alumni go through our classes. So we've seen SEI really be an incubator for solar market development in different regions across the world. I've taken a an SEI class and and I thought it was great. So tell me about your job there. I manage a program called Solar Forward, which is our technical consulting initiative. And this program provides free technical support um, for rural communities across the state of Colorado to kickstart solar markets. So how the program works is that um, local governments or local groups of community advocates or local nonprofits will have interest in developing a solar market 
in their community and they'll apply to be in the Solar Forward program and then they'll receive a year of technical consulting and a toolkit that will help them implement solar market development initiatives and outreach for the community. So much like SEI as a whole, it also is centered around an empowerment model where we're not going into communities and implementing solar growth initiatives. We are empowering leaders and communities to implement initiatives and be the sustainable change in their communities that they want to see. Solar Energy International Headquarters is located in a tiny town in Colorado called Paonia. Paonia is a small town on the western slope of Colorado and the way that I paint the picture for people is that it is 60 miles in one direction and 35 miles in the other direction from the nearest stoplight. So um, you could say that it's in the middle of nowhere, but if you love the outdoors and you love mountains and you know, you love community. It's in the middle of everything. In 2015, in Delta County, two of three major coal mines in the region shut down. And SEI being this big organization located in Paonia, wanted to um, find a way to help the local economy and to do so um, by leveraging our area of expertise, which is solar energy. So um, we started our first Solarize program, which is a, a bulk purchase group incentivized program that is aimed at kickstarting a solar market in the region by incentivizing community members to go solar together. And the idea was to bolster another economic contributor in the wake of coal mine closures, which would diversify the local economy and create jobs. And then the other idea of the program is that by utilizing local, locally produced renewable energy, um, instead of sending millions of dollars outside of a community to pay a wholesale electricity supplier, that's a resilient community keeping money in the economy that needs it the most. So this program was so successful after implementing it, especially in a rural community. For a few years, um, we made the Solar Forward program to really just systemize those efforts and scale them out throughout rural communities across, across Colorado and beyond. When, when you were a kid growing up, did you say, when I grow up, I want to promote solar energy in rural Colorado, you know, probably not. Right. So how, how did you, um, how did you get where you are? Yeah, I can honestly say that never crossed my mind. (laughs) I didn't really know much about solar energy before I started working at SEI. And, um, as a kid, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago my parents were extremely hardworking, but they worked in the medical field. And um, no one in my family really, you know, worked in renewable energy. As a child, we didn't do a lot of outdoor recreation. Um, I, I think it might just be a, a suburbs of Chicago thing, but when it's cold in the winter out there, 
you just don't go outside. <laughs> so sometimes I joke that I saw my first hill at the age of 18. When I went um, so what happened and how I got into the industry was I was actually working at TV news when I was in college and I was really um, just kind of like your classic overworked college millennial who was really just fueled by this anxiety of getting a job after college. And I, I felt like I was under a lot of weight of the world that we are inheriting. Um, but I've always been really driven by, you know, having, having a purpose and making a positive impact. So my vehicle to do that started off being in journalism and I just did everything possible that I could in journalism, you know, when I was in high school and college. And when I was in college, I was the editor-in-chief of the newspaper and I, I just had internship after internship um, in New York City uh, out in the area where I went to school. And um, I ended up, you know, scoring some really great internships at NBC in New York City. And I just, you know, kept coming back to this idea of, I, I really want to have a positive impact. But as I became more exposed to the world of TV news, I realized that I wanted to have that impact without the hairspray. And you, you worked on some pretty impressive shows, right? Like yeah. what, what were some of the people that you worked with and the, and the shows you were on? So I started off working at Dateline NBC and I worked at Dateline for as an intern for almost a year. Um, and then at the same time, I was Tom Brokaw's intern in his research unit. And then after that, I interned at MSNBC, um, where I worked live with Thomas Roberts. And then after MSNBC, I was an intern at Nightly News with Lester Holt. And I also um, was at that year as well, working in the field at a local news station, News 12, New Jersey, um, going out into the field with the reporters on shoots. Yeah, it sounds like you had a pretty good foot in the door for <laughs> uh, the news industry if you wanted, had wanted to go into that. Um, you know, everybody was kind of expecting me to go on and be a reporter on the Today Show or something. <laughs> yeah. That was my dream. And so what happened? What made you decide not to do that? Yeah, so I had that moment my senior year where everybody was frantically applying for jobs. And what motivated me, like all through college, was this daydream I had about getting a call and being offered my dream job. And um, I just kind of, when it came to actually applying for jobs, really froze. And there is something in me that didn't feel right. And I felt like I was kind of this train on a track, like barreling toward this goal. And I hadn't really thought really critically about, you know, why exactly I wanted that goal. And I can honestly remember like sitting there in the library with, you know, all of my friends we were all studying and for our finals and just everybody was talking about how many jobs they applied for. Oh, I applied for 40 jobs. I applied for 45 jobs. And I, 
I didn't apply for a single job. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I didn't apply for a job. And I had this moment of just not, not knowing what I wanted to do. And it was such a hard thing for me to grapple with because I was always that one person who knew what they wanted to do. And I felt like I was starting to learn who I was um, and what I believed in, but I wasn't on a path to um, align with that. So I, I guess I did what not, not like a lot of people do when they don't know what to do, but I just one day um, was on like a what I call like a Google search vortex where you're just looking up random stuff and one thing leads to another thing. And I found an article about hiking the Appalachian Trail and which led me to the sort of like Reddit-esque like forum of people who ask people advice about hiking the Appalachian Trail. And I had this thought in my head where I was like, what if I just, you know, didn't apply for any jobs and hiked on the Appalachian Trail and took a break. And that one stream of thought, like that one website that I got, went on, totally ended up changing my life. And <laughs> I don't really know how exactly it happened, but, um, you know, like I said before, did not have an outdoorsy past, had never like slept outside, really camped <laughs> or hiked for extended periods of time. Mary was terrified at first. She knew almost nothing about camping, hiking, or generally navigating the wilderness. But there was one thing she was really good at, which came in handy, journalism. Since I was a journalist, I was just really good at researching. Um, so I spent all of my time researching the Appalachian Trail. Like when people were applying for jobs, I was looking at maps. When people were, you know, studying for finals, I was looking at gear on REI for my trip. I was actually pretty prepared based on the research that I was doing. And I was in a sorority and one of my best friends and my sorority sisters um, like came to a park with me while I practiced setting up my tent because I didn't want to embarrass myself on the trail. And I practiced using my stove in like the backyard of our sorority house. That's awesome. And people definitely thought I was losing it, you know, because I was like so obsessed with interning and, <laughs> yeah. and getting straight A's. And I'm like lighting a camp stove in the back of our sorority house. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. So how long was your hike? Um, so the hike was from Virginia to New Jersey, and it was around 500 miles. Wow. And you you did that all in one stretch, right? Yeah. Yeah. It took me about like a month or over a month. Yes. The stars kind of aligned for me to complete that. There was so much that could have gone wrong that I was so like ignorant to the outdoors that I didn't even comprehend like things that could have happened to me. But now looking back on it, I realized that I was really lucky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of have some really amazing conditions and experiences to allow that to happen. What did that help you figure out what you wanted to do next? What really helped while I was on the Appalachian trail was talking to people um, because when you're on the trail and you're doing, you know, traveling and doing things like that, you have to 
introduce yourself to people a lot and everybody is drawn to those experiences for similar reasons. So you kind of find yourself developing this narrative um, that is kind of just like a easy way to give people like a, a nice package of who you are in one introduction. So I started talking to a lot of people and by explaining my story over and over again, I, you know, really became confident in the fact that I know I want to make a positive impact, but I don't know the right vehicle for that. And when I got back from the trail, I started applying to a bunch of TV and journalism jobs, and it just didn't feel right to me. So I started kind of straying away from like the normal path of going into journalism. And I started asking people about how they use communication skills to make a positive impact. And by just asking and asking a bunch of people that I was connected with this woman who did the AmeriCorps VISTA program in Colorado, I felt really inspired by her story. AmeriCorps VISTA is a year-long volunteer program where members work for a nonprofit anywhere in the country on a living stipend doing things like helping Americans attain affordable homes, mentoring students in need, and helping communities recover from disasters. The program also offers incentives like student loan deferral and grad school scholarships. I applied to be in AmeriCorps through the AmeriCorps portal on their website, and they match you with potential jobs based on your skills and interests. And SEI was the first job that came up for me in that search. And I didn't know anything about solar energy before that. But after having my interview and talking to some of the people who work at SEI through my interview, I just knew better than anything else I've known in my life that this was something I had to do. We'll be right back to talk more with Mary after this short break. Do you have a great idea for stopping climate change? We want to hear it. There aren't any silver bullets for fighting climate change. There isn't any one technology that's going to pull all of the excess carbon out of the atmosphere. A lot of people say we need to quit arguing about silver bullets and focus on silver buckshot, a lot of partial solutions. Actually, we probably need a whole silver artillery barrage. Anyway, you get the point. It doesn't have to be the only idea or the best idea, just something you think someone should be doing. If you'd like to share an idea, please go to howtostopclimatechange.com and record a quick voice message about it. We'll pick an idea to share and discuss in each episode. I packed up my car and just drove out to Colorado without ever having been that far west before. And I always say if I had a time machine and could relive any day in my life, it would be the first day I got to Paonia because I remember there's a sign that happens over the mountain pass um, before you get into town and it says no gas for 60 miles. And I remember reading that and I had never driven over a mountain pass before in my life. I had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting into. And I just was kind of It's not like a sinking feeling, but it's a feeling of being in awe of the opportunities that are unfolding around you in that moment. I remember looking at that sign and just being thinking, oh my, oh my gosh, I have no idea what lies ahead, but I have this really 
intense feeling of hope that this is the right path for me. And I had the opportunity to ride my bike over that mountain pass a few weeks ago. And the whole time I actually was thinking about that first day that I drove into Paonia and how never in my wildest dreams I would ever imagine that people did such things as riding their bikes over mountain passes. (laughs) That sounds great. You know, it occurs to me there are probably a lot of people out there in the world that are at some sort of turning point in their life and they don't know what to do next. Maybe they're in the middle of their career. Maybe they just got out of school. Maybe they're getting ready to start college and they don't have any idea what they want to do. It seems like a fantastic way to take a little break and and sort those things out would be to go and take a course at SEI in the middle of nowhere in Colorado and be outdoors for a little while with your with your own thoughts. I kind of wish I could do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, people come to SEI at a junction in their life. We have a lot of students who come from um, maybe really corporate environments or other industries, and they're looking to get into the renewable energy industry. And I would say a lot of people um, nowadays, too, are kind of motivated by this climate anxiety where there's a lot of negativity and negative news floating around. It it really feels like we're powerless sometimes when it comes to the direction that the world is going in. But I mean, I always say the best way to counter that is to is to be a part of the solution. I mean, dedicate your life to that change. You know, for a lot of people, it probably seems like nobody is doing anything. But a lot of people are working on this problem in all sorts of different roles, in all sorts of different industries, trying to make their company or their school or their city more sustainable, trying to train other people to install solar panels. Installing solar panels are like a million different ways you could contribute to the solution. Definitely. And that's a really cool part about seeing people who come through SEI classes because people go into all different parts of the industry. Um, There are people who go into design, installation, marketing, sales. Um, So there are so many different ways to get involved. And it's such a welcoming industry. You can go into solar with any kind of background from TV news, engineering, to marketing and sales. There's really a place for everybody in solar electricians, carpenters, roofers, anybody. Yeah. So it's it's really awesome to see where people go who get their start um, at SEI. So I want to, I don't want to forget to talk about this really cool opportunity that you had last week. Um, so last week I was a U.S. delegate for the Youth Sustainability Congress, which was happening as a part of the Biennial of the Americas in Denver, where I live. And um, it was a really amazing experience. There were young leaders in sustainability from all over North and South America. So I got the opportunity to meet people from Argentina and Peru, Ecuador, Mexico, Canada. There were just so many awesome, inspiring minds all all in one room. I bet that was kind of eye-opening to see people from so many different backgrounds all focusing on this. Yeah, it was inspiring. 
it was really great to see a lot of natural solutions to climate change happening. There are people out there doing really innovative stuff when it comes to, um, you know, planting trees. There are a lot of people where the Amazon forest fires were directly impacting their life. Um, and being lucky enough to be a part of a conversation with some of those leaders was yeah, I was amazing. I was so grateful for that experience. You've got a really inspirational story, Mary. And I wonder, is there is there anything you would like to say to kind of sum up uh, something that would be helpful for people that are looking for a way to to help fight climate change? Like I said, the earth gives to us and we have the opportunity to give back. So I feel like in my personal life with outdoor recreation, that is directly impacted by what I've dedicated my professional life to. So for people who are, you know, at a critical point in their life where they're not satisfied with the path that we're all going down um, when it comes to climate change, or maybe they're not satisfied with the path that they are on personally, dedicating even a little bit more time you know, in that effort to fight climate change adds purpose to your life. Instead of having anxiety and feeling out of control and uncertain, you can be filled with motivation and hope and community with other people who have dedicated time to the same thing. You could explore the solar industry. There's so many organizations that do community organizing where you could get involved with, you know, working with a petition for your community. You could network with other people who are concerned and want to make a difference. There's no negative outcome in dedicating more time to fight climate change. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, for people that can't pick up and go to Paonia and uproot their whole life. Solar Energy International has online courses too, which are like a pretty easy way to get started, aren't they? Yes. SCI has online classes that you can take anywhere um, at any time. They're self-paced. We also have scholarships available and we have different resources available to have our classes meet your schedule and circumstances where you're at. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of How to Stop Climate Change, please give us a review or share the show with a friend. If you'd like to support the show, please head over to howtostopclimatechange.com slash support. All proceeds will go to cover expenses and help me pay my daughter Keaton for all the time she spends editing and producing the show. I couldn't do this without her. Music for this episode was done by Jerry Leonard, Avery Reedy, Paige Hugelay, and The Wonder Hills. Our theme music is by Juices. 